welcome back to the show. I'm your host. And in case you missed it, the NBA trade deadline has come and gone. So let's talk about some of the winners, some of the losers, some of the head scratchers. And break down as much of this as we can into a palatable dosage. Now I'm sure there will be some trades that we don't address in this episode and we may come back to them or we may have deemed that they were not up to snuff to discuss. So if you feel differently, there's something upcoming or not upcoming, I should say, that you believe we should have covered, please reach out to me. Twitter, Instagram, on the website, find us everywhere at Smoke Break Sports. Let your boy know what you would like to have heard, and, and maybe we'll throw you a bone. But let's go ahead and start with some of the bigger trades. We'll work our way down this ladder and talk about the winners first. So I think one of the biggest winners so far as we break these things down. Now we may look back in a few weeks to find that certain players have really meshed well and there may be some rearranging of these winners and losers later, but first take, first taste, what do we think? And I'm starting with Chicago. They got Vucevic in exchange for two players and two future draft picks. Um, they also acquired El Amino, Al Amino. I'm having a hard time speaking. So the Bulls finally have two All-Stars on their squad again, although we all know how I had previously felt about Vucevic making the All-Star roster over other bigs in the East. Bam Adebayo. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I got something in my throat. Nevertheless, Zach Levine has not in recent memory, at the very least, played with a big man of the caliber of Vucevic, and Zach Levine is also arguably the best backcourt player that old Vuce has been paired with so far. Lots of backcourt talent in Orlando. But despite the fact that a lot of those guys were injured, even when they were all healthy, I don't know that any of them is quite Levine. The Bulls also added Daniel Thies to their depths. Uh, so with them being in their current position, they're what? Only three games out of the four spot in the East. Everybody and their dad has a shot at the playoffs in the East still, for the most part. And so they go from being a possible, what I'll call bubble team, from being a likely participant in the play-in tournament to now being somewhere in that middle tier, a team that will likely be battling for a fourth or fifth spot. Vucevic will have a chance to prove me and others wrong by hopefully replicating the stats that he's put out down in Florida, now on a team that is in contention, so they won't be those hollow, empty numbers that we've spoken of before. 
And while they gave up some young talent, it's not enough to negate uh, what they have added. So uh, I was admittedly a bit surprised that this was the team that landed Vucevic. I have been on record several times at this point stating that the Boston Celtics, this should have been their moment. They should have been the guy the guys to land this guy, but they went a different route and picked a different fruit from the magic tree, which we will discuss here shortly. But to me so far, one of the biggest winners, uh, just in a sense of the ground they stand to gain by making this move, Vucevic to Chicago on its own would have been a big get, but now they've added depth and what we will call interchangeability. I think that may be a made-up word, but bear with me, and I think you'll understand me here in a moment. They also added a nice backup center to Vucevic in swapping for Tis. Uh But they've got good depth. They've got guys like Garrett Temple over there, um, but with guys like Thaddeus Young, um, Adding guys like Alfred Alamino. God damn, I cannot. Just just twist my tongue all up in knots, why don't you, Al? Anyway, this is a team that now can put out a lot of different lineups. They can mix and match, play small ball if necessary, but definitely have some bigs that are worth contending. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at the potential Eastern Conference having to run through Philadelphia and their all-star center. Now you have your own all-star center to match in a possible playoff matchup. So I think this was a great move for Chicago. They are potentially my number one big winner of the draft. Of the draft. Sweet Jesus. I need a coffee. Of the trade deadline. Uh, but following closely behind them uh, are the Denver Nuggets. Because while, again, I had them pegged as making a lesser move, I thought they might end up with Fournier or Terrence Ross was the big rumor that I had heard and somebody that they could have got for an incredibly cheap asking price, I imagine. They managed to get Aaron Gordon added to their ranks. So you've already got two all-stars on that squad. Uh, at least all-star level talents, including the MVP, Jokic. And not only did they add Aaron Gordon, but they also added JaVel McGee, who will add great depth. They miss Mason Plumlee a little bit because, well, Jokic can't play all 48 minutes, and now they have a rim protector and a guy who admittedly isn't going to do much offensively, but can get some offensive rebounds, score on some putbacks, and can spell Jokic during stretches in these all-important upcoming playoff games. And then you add Gordon to the fact that uh, Porter has really been showing out in Denver. And as I heard it said from other experts, you know, he's a guy we've been waiting on. We've be, you know, injuries have held him back. And it's sort of, is he going to be a star? We don't really know. Well, he's starting to show up. He's starting to play well. And, if he continues his ascension, you could have four very high-quality scoring options 
in Denver, and the time is right for them. The West is currently uh, a little bit more open. Of course, Utah and Phoenix have stayed strong, but with LeBron going down and the Lakers already, of course, missing AD, we were talking back when we were discussing MVP selections, how Jokic would need the Nuggets to make a run in order for him to get serious consideration for that MVP. Now, not only are the two front runners for the MVP race currently out, but now they are ripe and ready to go ahead and make that run. And they have the skills and the skilled players ready to go ahead and rattle off some wins and maybe work their way up into a top three seed. Uh, certainly worth a potential top four in the West now with what Denver's got. So a big win in my opinion, for Denver, uh, especially when you consider that the Lakers weren't able to make anything happen. Some of this stuff we will, of course, have to come back to and weigh in once all of the buyouts have happened and we see uh, who the Lakers are able to add. I'm sure there are going to be some other candidates. Obviously, we know Drummond's going to get bought out. Aldridge is going to get bought out. But some of these pieces that moved today even, I think, will get bought out, um, including some of the guys who have been shipped back to Orlando in this bevy of trades. So we'll see. We'll come back and reevaluate. You know, I, I think it's fair to consider buyouts along with the trade deadline. Of course, the Lakers didn't have much to offer anyone if they weren't willing to get rid of THT, which, of course, they weren't. And I know they there were there was talk of KCP, maybe even Schroeder and Montrez Harrell being potential pieces that the Lakers are willing to move, but I think they made the right choice in not shipping off those guys. You have to remember, a lot of this new talent on the Lakers squad is exactly that. It's new to the Lakers, and history shows us Going back to the Miami Big Three and just over and over again, teams that are newly uh, put together often take a little bit of time to develop a rapport and to establish that camaraderie that is needed to go on a deep playoff run. So I think the Lakers did the right thing by keeping their the core of their supporting cast together. Let's see what they can add in the buyout market. But in the short term, the Nuggets are primed and ready to make a move on some of these squads that kind of stood pat with what they had. Who else are the big winners? Let's go back out east and welcome to Miami, as the man William Smith once said some 20-odd years ago. Are the Rockets just the worst run franchise at this point? How much... How great was Daryl Morey? You know, he looks, with every move the Rockets make since he's left, it almost cements his legacy there more and more. It makes him look better in retrospect each time they try to do anything. Now, we here at this show have been notoriously hard on Houston. They've deserved it, in my opinion, or I wouldn't have made those episodes. 
But this trade deadline loss was not only a loss just at face value, but when you think about the fact that Victor Oladipo going to Miami for uh, some trail mix and some cotton swabs, you have to remember that's basically all they got in return for James Harden. Yes, there were some draft picks. I, I won't. I don't mean to belittle the draft picks. But come on, we're talking about an MVP caliber talent, a generational talent, a potential NBA top 50 ever guy when it's all said and done. And you got in return, big picture, a handful of draft picks, Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk, who again, as we were just discussing, these are a couple of guys that might get bought out as well. I mean, do you really think that these two guys who are used to being uh, bench players, yes, but bench players for teams that make deep playoff runs. I mean, Kelly Olenek has been uh, a key player in Celtics playoff runs. Of course, what he's done for the Heat. You know, we're looking at two guys specifically who were both... Uh, now, Avery didn't play in the bubble, but he was still part of a championship team. And Olenek went to the finals last year. Are these guys above... Pulling a Blake, James, Boogie, you know, are, are they above pulling the, like, look, I'm not really trying to play here in Houston. No one wants to play there. They, poor, poor Mr. Silas. Uh, remember when he said, this is great because I'm a win now coach. Whew, man, I bet you could, wish you could put that back in the tube, huh, buddy? But, yes, the Rockets are losers. They stay losers. So sorry. Uh, at least they snapped their 20-game losing streak. But Miami, we were talking about winners. Miami, big winner here because there has been a mutual interest uh, between Miami and Victor Oladipo here for some time. As your resident Pacers fan, I can tell you this. I know this. This is true. These are facts, as the kids say. And not only does Miami get a rental that will help them in the short term with this playoff run, they are heating up at the right time. Jimmy Butler's come back. They lose a little bit of depth, but if you believe the rumors, they are the front runner to acquire LaMarcus Aldridge once he is bought out. So if you're looking at you get rid of Olenek and replace him with LaMarcus Aldridge, even with LaMarcus's dwindling uh, performance uh, of late in San Antonio, that's still an upgrade to me. And again, to to mention the Blakes and the James Hardens of the world, uh, there's something to be said about an NBA talent who is playing at an unhappy level versus what they can do when they are actually somewhere they want to be. I mean, by God, Blake Griffin learned how to dunk again after being on the court in Brooklyn for all of five minutes. He hadn't touched the rim in two years. All of a sudden, he got his legs back. Not to mention that James Harden took off his inflatable sumo suit and has been playing at an MVP level as soon as he got to Brooklyn. So is it beyond reasonability to consider 
that LaMarcus Aldridge, if he goes where he wants to go, that he could straight ball out? I think not. I think he could be a key contributor wherever he lands. And even if that's not the outcome, even if Aldridge doesn't end up in Miami, this is still a win to me because now these guys get a first-hand glimpse at what Oladipo can do. He has been injury-riddled over the past couple of years. He has not been able to recapture that magic he had before his injury in Indiana where he was an all-star level player. But we all know that that all-star potential is within him. And now the Heat get a chance to not only have him help in their playoff run, but now they get a close look at him to see whether or not a long-term extension is right for them. If he To see if he is the right fit for this team. So they're winning this one on multiple fronts. Big get for Miami. Huge loss for Houston. And since we're talking about Houston, and we're talking about winners, and we're talking about my beloved Pacers, let's take a moment to stroll back down memory lane, talk about this James Harden trade once again. For those of you who don't know, the Rockets could have had one Karis Levert. Hell, I'm hearing they could have even had Jarrett Allen if they were willing to do a little more finagling in this James Harden trade. But the Rockets instead chose to involve my beloved Indiana Pacers in this multi-team trade way back at the beginning of the season. And they traded Levert, who is under contract, mind you, for two more years, who at the time had stats that were nearly identical to Oladipo's, and who admittedly has had to recover from cancer, but since he has done so, he has come back with a fire and in fact hit a go-ahead barium bucket for the Pacers just earlier this week. So when you look back, you kind of have to say that the Pacers were big winners on that trade as well. So Houston continues to look like the loser. They could have had a young, talented guy who was on a nice, team-friendly contract, but instead, well, hey, at least there's Avery and Kelly. So who else we got? We mentioned the Celtics who are are almost, in my book, losers just based on not acquiring Vucevic. But when you look at the trade that they made, they got Evan Fournier on a rental for two future second round picks. That's not a bad deal. I mean, he's, he's going to be a good addition to that team. It's a little bit of... Uh, adding a strength to a strength because, well, they already have two of the best young wing players in the East. So I I don't exactly know how he fits their rotation, fits what they're going to do. They already have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, but they didn't have to get rid of Marcus Smart for anyone, which I was already on record as saying they should not get rid of Marcus Smart. Uh, So Fournier, I think he'll help me. He was averaging 19 points per game in Orlando. He's going to do something to help that team. But this one is a bit confusing to me. It almost feels like Danny Ainge made a trade because he knew he couldn't not make one. But perhaps the Celtics are wise by not selling off too much to make a short-term gain. I, I 
I think it could have been worth it to move Marcus Smart and assets in order to get Vucevic. I know a lot of players wanted to see them. A lot of players, a lot of fans and pundits wanted to see them move for Aaron Gordon. But hey, for what it's worth, for the trade that they did make, uh, I can't call them a loser in the sense of the Fournier deal itself. Another one that puzzles me is in Toronto, or, well, Florida right now, but the Toronto Raptors traded Norman Powell to Portland for Gary Trent Jr. And this one is another one, almost you can just copy and paste what I just said, but swap out Celtics for Trailblazers. Um... Powell will be helpful. He's one of the most efficient three-point shooters in the league this year. He has had some big nights. But C.J. McCollum just has gotten back from injury and is playing red hot. I mean, as we are recording this, C.J.'s just finishing a night where he dropped 35 points. You know, Dame was able to take a night off. He only had 22 points tonight. Geez, slacking. But Norman Powell, what's, what are they going to play him at small forward? I know we're in a age of positionless basketball. But you're going to run into trouble if Dame Lillard at 6'2 is your point guard, C.J. McCollum at 6'3 is your shooting guard, and Norman Powell at 6'4 is your small forward. When you're already a team that has dealt with a lot of injuries to your front court. Now, we'll add the caveat of potential buyout targets. I, for one, would love to see LaMarcus Aldridge rejoin his former running mates and go back to Portland and really solid up that front court. I don't know that that's really in the realm of possibility. If memory serves, he was happy to leave Portland, and I don't know uh, what could have changed that would make him choose to go there. I mean, honestly, if I'm six feet, 11 inches tall, and can hit a mid-range jumper, and my options are Miami or Portland, and I have an equal shot, maybe a better shot at actually getting to a finals by going to Miami, where my income will not be taxed by the state. I, I'm picking Miami. So while I would love to see Portland add some front court depth in the buyout period, I don't know that they'll be able to, and for this reason, I just, I don't understand uh, this. This just feels, again, like a trade that was made just so you could tell your fans that you made a trade. Toronto may come out as the winner of this one, because at least their talent is a little bit younger, and uh, yeah, they didn't give up Kyle Lowry, so maybe they can find a way to re-sign him. That was, I think, the biggest story. Uh, it it's crazy in a year with all these trades and with a bunch of big deadline moves that were made, it seems to be the story of the night is that Kyle Lowry did not get traded. So rumor has it, no one was willing to offer anything that the Toronto front office was willing to accept in return for their franchise's at least second best player. I mean, obviously, Kawhi and his pit stop brought them a championship. But when you look at the all-time stats, 
Lowry is second all-time in scoring to DeRozan. He's first in assists. He's third in rebounds all-time in franchise history as a point guard. There are other stats up there. I think he's leading in three points made. Uh, He is clearly somebody who's going to go into their ring of honor, someone whose jersey will likely end up in the rafters someday. And he was open to ending his season in Tampa. He did not express, he was not one of these guys who wanted to be gone, who who is absolutely not going to re-sign. So yes, Toronto takes a risk at potentially losing him and getting nothing in return, um, but they were not willing to trade a franchise player, even though he's 35, at a minimal return. So the jury's out on Toronto. Are they winners? Are they losers? I don't know. We'll call them uh, head scratchers. Now back to a trade that is a little easier to decipher. Uh, I think the Mavericks were a big winner by sending off James Johnson and in return getting J.J. Redick, who (laughs) was alleged to be wanting to move somewhere closer to his Brooklyn home. So we took that and ran with it here on this show and thought, oh, he's going to end up in New York with the Knicks or maybe with the Nets. And if he had made it to the Nets, I think I would have joined in on those of us NBA fans who would have been crying into our metaphorical pie. But adding him to the Mavericks is nice. Uh, He hadn't been part of the rotation in New Orleans, so... It's another situation, as we discussed before with Aldridge and other guys who were unhappy. Yes, their stats are down. I can expect J.J. will elevate his play by being in Dallas. And yeah, I Dallas is not a team that's going to push for the NBA championship this year. So they didn't really lose much. Uh, James Johnson was mentioned in just about every uh, trade rumor that they were a part of. It was a foregone conclusion that he would be out. And he's averaging, I think, four and a half points per game. No, no big loss there. Um, good for all of us NBA fans that the, the Nets did not get deeper by J.J. Reddick getting bought out and signing with them. So glad to see, surprisingly glad To see that he was traded, I honestly thought J.J. would be a buyout guy. We, in our fantasy GM world, had him hopefully going to L.A. before we had heard the uh, I want to play near my house in Brooklyn rumor. Going back to Miami briefly, they made another quick swap for Malinkia in Sacramento. Uh, I think that's worth uh, mentioning. That's just another feather in the cap for them being winners. Uh, we've gone through a long list of trades so far, so uh, apologies that that was missed when we were first discussing Miami. We're not going to dwell on them much longer, uh, but I had mentioned their potential loss in depth, but they really, really are poised to make a run. Look out for Miami in the East. And speaking of another Eastern team that has been maybe a bit more surprisingly in the run, the Atlanta Hawks got rid of Rajon Rondo, which was no surprise. I think a month into that season, the rest of the NBA and those people in Atlanta knew 
what we here at Smoke Break Sports already knew, which was that the Rajon Rondo tra- signing was a terrible fit for both parties, I still can't understand why Rondo chose to sign with Atlanta unless it was a the best financial offer he was given. Here is a guy who the the story right for Atlanta was like, oh, we want some veteran leadership. Okay. Rondo's been on how many teams now and has been a detriment in the locker room on all of those teams that were not successful. You know when Rondo's a good leader? When he's playing with other full-grown men. When he fits in, when he is not the sole voice of leadership. You know, Rondo fits well when paired with, say, I don't know, a Kevin Garnett, a Paul Pierce, a Ray Allen, a Kendrick Perkins. Say what you will about him, but Kendrick's not going to get pushed around by anyone. When you've paired Rondo in the past with other young teams, he's gone off the wall and at times gotten himself benched. He was the wrong guy to be asked to teach Trey Young how to be a leader. He didn't fit their needs when you have Trey Young what do you really need Rondo for to what's to to truly just be your backup point guard uh, when your starting point guard is like 22 years old how many minutes is he going to play no Rondo was a great fit in LA and he will likely once again be a great fit in LA as he has been traded for Lemon Pepper Lou Williams in what I think is one of the few trades where both teams come out winners. The Clippers, of course, any other team would likely greatly miss Lou Williams' scoring prowess. But the thing is that the Clippers are not short on scores. They can score the ball just fine. This is why Lou Williams was expendable. This is why he was mentioned as potential trade bait in just about every Clippers rumor that we heard. So both teams get what they need. Uh, Lou Williams is more uh, fitting to come off the bench for Atlanta and have the potential to score 20 points on any given night. And he's a guy who (laughs) will better fit uh, a fill-in for Trey Young while also being able to share the floor with him potentially, although... As we know, sometimes uh, Trey sharing the ball has been an issue. The Clippers, meanwhile, are able to get the veteran point guard, the the leadership that has been needed. Because again, Rondo can be a leader when there are other leaders involved and he can't run the entire show. He's a good, uh, What's I'm not an army guy, so let's just say like he's not like a captain but he's probably more like a lieutenant or a sergeant type guy where like you know you know he's he's not a good father figure but you know uncle rajon that that's something more fitting to the world that i understand he's he's somebody that can offer you some good wisdom but you really don't want him calling the shots what you do want is him to be able to run your offense in the fourth quarter so that way the ball is not running through Kawhi, it's not running through Paul George. You have somebody that can get you in the half-court offense, set you up, run some plays, and the added wrinkle, the fact that finally after 
a nearly 20-year NBA career, Rondo can hit some open threes. He's no longer the one-dimensional offensive player that he was for a long time. I mean, when he was young, he could get to the rim along with his passing. As he got older, you know, he still kind of has that Tony Parker vibe. You know, he's still going to attack the rim, but the, the body has not kept up. Now, he's a low-tier sniper from the outside. He'll hit some open threes if you give them to him, and he can run your offense, which as we all know, other than the attitude issues that got a Hall of Fame coach like Doc Rivers kicked out and replaced with Tyron Lue, whew, well, that tells you that there's some more brain power needed in that locker room, does it not? Well, Rajon Rondo will be fine. He'll play some decent defense. He can run the offense for you in the fourth quarter, which is what anyone who talks about basketball will tell you was the Clippers' biggest need. They needed a point guard. There was nothing that they could offer Toronto for Kyle Lowry that that the Raptors would be willing to accept that wouldn't be detrimental to what the Clippers were trying to do. This is a much easier trade. Swap one for one. Lou for Rondo. Let's get it. The Hawks don't look now, but they're fourth in the East. So who knows? They may be in the playoffs. Uh, This could work out for everybody. So the rare win-win. And you know what, folks? We're going to call it right there. As I mentioned, there may be some things that we missed. Boo-hoo. Sucks for you. Don't at me, but do at me because I'd love the uh, engagement on social media. If there are trades that we have missed that we want to come back to, we will absolutely do that. If you want to hear more thoughts on your favorite team because we didn't mention them or your favorite player, potential rumors, who you think is going to get bought out, where you think those people should go, find me. Tweet at me. DM me on the gram. Send us a message on Facebook. Do what you do. Hell, even go visit our website, smokebreaksports.com, and leave a comment on this very post. In the meantime, be sure to follow or subscribe, whatever button your podcast platform of choice allows. Turn on notifications so you'll be made aware of the next episode next week. The Major League Baseball season starts, so I've got to finish up my spring training research and make our predictions. Those of you who don't know, predictions are kind of a big thing around here. And while we may not have gotten all of our trade predictions right, I can tell you one thing. We have successfully predicted the last five major sports champions, and that includes you, baseball. So if you want to know who's going to win the World Series next year, you'd best subscribe and come check us out next week because I'm going to tell you. That's right, I'm going to tell you one. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you always. Now get the fuck out.